Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. This is the show that's all about spiritual direction. Our top-notch spiritual directors are, directors are here to offer you a bit of encouragement in your life of faith today. My name is Patrick Conley. I'm sitting in for Josh Raymond today. I help out from time to time on the on-air edges of the Relevant Radio Network. But my regular gig here on the network is hosting a weekly talk show for the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis that airs on Relevant Radio in the Twin Cities, 1330 a.m., if you'd like to check us out, though, you don't need to be in the Twin Cities. Head over to practicingcatholicshow.com for some of our archived shows, podcasted interviews, and links to our social media. And if I may, before we get going here, I'd like to wish my dad a happy birthday. He turns 93 years old today. Happy birthday, Dad. Well, here on The Inner Life on the show today, we're going to be focusing our discussion on miracles. Of course, hearing about miracles that others have witnessed can be a tremendous boost to our own faith. And we certainly hope to hear some of your stories of witnessing miracles on the show today. But what exactly is a miracle? How is miracle properly defined? And how crucial are they to the life of a practicing Catholic? Do we need to witness and experience miracles? And what if you think you've never witnessed a miracle? Or if you've prayed for a miracle and it didn't happen? Lots of good questions around miracles. Look like, looks like we could use a little bit of help. Fortunately, we have a great spiritual director with us today to guide our thoughts and discussion. He's a regular here on the show. Let's say hello to Father Sam Martin, who is pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Father Martin, welcome. Good to be with you again. Oh, Patrick, what a, uh, a great pleasure. I got another guy from Wisconsin that you can pick up on my accent. I know Josh struggles with it, but uh, and a ha- happy birthday to your dear dad, and welcome to all Thank our you. listeners uh, today. We, we got, it's a great topic and something that all of us uh, are intrigued by, and some may call in and say they've experienced, they've witnessed, they've been, uh, their faith is in some part uh, contingent on a, a miracle of some sort in their life or someone else that they know. So anyway, a good... Uh, opportunity for us to take a step closer to the Lord, a step in the direction of heaven, we hope. Absolutely, that's the plan, and uh, we are grateful that you're here with us as our spiritual director, and we do hope to hear a number of stories of miracles that people have witnessed so that we can all be inspired and encouraged by them. But before we get there, Father, just to jump into some of those questions I was firing off at the beginning of the program, let's start with a definition. What, what properly is uh, the definition of a miracle? I was looking in the catechism. I didn't find, you know, a formal definition, but I guess, you know, in a nutshell, it would be that something that is not explainable by the laws that we understand, that the laws of science, of nature, of, of medicine, something that uh, seems to transcend what we would otherwise expect. Uh, you know, so like the 1917 miracle of the sun in Fatima that somewhere up, upwards of 70,000 people witnessed and 
things that happened to the celestial orb that's, what is it, 93 million miles from the Earth, and it started right. spinning and moving, and it seemed like it was crashing to Earth. And, and then afterwards, it had been raining for days, and people were up to their ankles in mud, and all that was dried up, and, but uh, the sun went back to its place, and it was like nothing ever happened. If that sun moves, you know, a few miles in one direction or another, I mean, that's going to affect life on Earth. So if it had come you know, any closer, we'd all be scalded. I mean, some people are looking for the perfect tan. Maybe they would have <laughs> had their opportunity. But that would be a miracle. That's something that we can't explain. That's something that, it, you know, they saw it happen. But if it had happened, there should be certain effects that would indicate, you know, that uh, how we were affected by it. Anyway, uh, these are things that kind of point to something that we don't have any uh, rational explanation. We can't tell you why or how it happened. Uh, but we know that it happened. So right. if it's a physical healing, uh, some suspension of like the laws of gravity, uh, things that uh, you know that people then step back and objectively say that, well, we know that it happened. We don't know how it happened. There's nothing that we understand about this world, and we've been on this planet quite a while now. So uh, and yet that notwithstanding, there's still things that we'd say. That defies our understanding. That's something that is above any explanation that we could provide. And just to clarify with that, Father, because I know we can use phrases like the miracle of birth or the miracle of a sunrise or something along those lines. And although I get the sentiment of it and I wouldn't necessarily, you know, accuse somebody of trying to be, uh, you know, trying to subvert the whole meaning or idea of miracle, but properly speaking, um, since we have explanations of those, those would not be considered miracles. Is that right? Right. Those are things that, uh, you know, they do happen on a regular basis, and there is an explanation for them. Right. Uh, the sun doesn't rise, but the earth is, you know, held by its gravitational force, and so it looks like it rises. I get it that the earth is spinning and so forth, and so that we do have an explanation for something like that. I mean, we would say, like, as Brewer fans, it would be a miracle if they won the pennant, and we'd only mean that, you know, kind of... Uh, <laughs> You know, right. in a specious way, we'd say, well, that's, uh, right. you know, I get it, you know, because the, the brewers, uh, but they still got a chance, and, you know, but even so, we'd say, we do, I think there are lots of loose, you know, employments of the word miracle, and we have to be careful of that, like the famous story, the miracle on ice, 1980, and the <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, right. American hockey team takes down the USSR, you know, a professional team that never lost on, you know, ice before, whatever it was, uh, we get it. You know, and um, I think it was uh, Al Michaels that used those words, you know, mm. it just in a kind of a, uh, a fit of euphoria, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe what I'm just seeing. And uh, But miracle in its proper understanding is something that there is no explanation. Uh, we can't exactly describe how it happened, but we know that it did. And uh, Jesus rising from the dead, There's no one else has ever managed that. That's something that is a complete suspension of everything we understand about death. But this man is alive, and he's alive in a way that he wasn't before, that uh, he doesn't even appear the same. You can put your hand in his side, he can eat, but he, he doesn't seem to need to. He can just show up in a room when the doors are locked. I don't know how he got in there. Does he go through the wall? How does he do these things? But he's not dead anymore, and he mm -hmm. was. And mm -hmm. a lot of witnesses saw him die, and the centurion made sure he was dead. The Romans were very good about death. They had a, a fair amount of experience around it, and they understood how to make sure that it was certifiable and so forth. And yet, this man is alive. 
and this was befuddling for all the Romans and all the, the pagans at that time, that there's this Christus, that the Christians, that well, he was dead and now he's alive, and, and they kind of are bemused by this. I mean, the Greeks and the Areopagus in Athens say, well, we'll hear you more about this uh, resurrection business here, Paul, later as they scoff at him. Right. They're, they're not taken in by, they're very rational, and the things that you're describing aren't possible, and we're not going to give any uh, credence to it, Paul. So uh, thank you, but uh, they pat him on the head as a silly little boy, and they dismiss him. And so he um, thus chagrined. He said never would he try to speak their level of eloquence. And so he, next time I just preach Christ and him crucified, which is a stumbling block and foolishness and all the rest. But uh, Paul uh, learned something from that response, which was a cool response to the idea of miracles. And maybe not much has changed in our world as so characterized by secularism and so forth. Right, right. We are speaking today on The Inner Life about miracles. And uh, you know what? We would love to hear some stories of authentic miracles, these unexplained phenomena that perhaps you have witnessed or you've heard tell of, and we would love to hear them to be, if they are encouraging and inspiring and you'd like to share them on the air today, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, 888-914-9149, again, 888-914-9149, or you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, we have had someone call in already, and that's Carol, who's calling in from Michigan City, Indiana. Carol, welcome to the Inner Life. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking the call. Um, It's more angelic intervention, I think, than a miracle, but that's a miracle, too. Anytime the angels are involved in it, it's a miracle. Um, I went to Isle Royal years ago with a Sierra Club service trip, and it was um, to repair the past and then to enjoy Isle Royal. It's an island up in Lake Superior that's part of an international biosphere to uh, study the wolf, moose population and how they interact and so forth. It was really an exciting trip. It's a, it's a very small island, but it's beautiful. No cars on the island, nothing. Peace, quiet, loons wolves it was magnificent so there was no sleep for 10 days and uh so i'm driving home and i got a cup of coffee and i thought i better stay awake because i'm I'm getting sleepy now so i was pulling up to a stop stop sign and i saw the horse van coming on my my left and i thought oh it's a horse van but i didn't stop and as i'm getting closer and closer my brain said stop it's a horse van and I was just so logy and, you know, tired that my reflexes were so poor, I didn't stop. All of a sudden, that wheel just turned a complete 180 or whatever you, I don't know. It, it just turned in my hand, and I didn't do it. My hand flew off the wheel, and I ended up in the gravel at the side of the road. And the uh, car up, upright, of course, but I watched the horse fan go by thinking, oh, it's a horse fan. <laughs> How nice I didn't crash into it. There were no horses in it. Thank God for that. Um, And then when I was in seventh grade in Chicago, um, we went swimming one day on a really wavy day, and I got out too far, and I couldn't get back, and I was was drowning. And my, my friend's sister tried to get me out of the water, and she couldn't. So anyhow, some man came, young man, um, not a, I would say 20s, came up, dragged me out of the water, put me on the beach, and then walked away. And I was in shock. So I woke when I, when I, you know, got up. I said, who was that kid? Who was that guy? What guy? 
I said, the one that pulled me in. We didn't see any guy. So I asked everybody, and they said, no, there wasn't any guy. You were just here. So who was the mysterious guy that saved my life? And oh, Carol, um, if I can cut in here, I'd just like to I just like to say, I mean, it, these are these are fascinating stories already. And I, I just want to give uh, Father Martin a, just a chance to respond as well. So, Father, what about what about these things when it either like Carol was saying, either our car seems to be uh, driven by itself, even if only for a split second or uh, maybe apparitions of um we see somebody, we see some figure present, but nobody else claims to have been able to see that figure. Are those legitimately miracles? Well, Pope John Paul, who was, um, of course, shot at point-blank range uh, on the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, that was something that he always said later. I mean, that one finger pulled the trigger, another finger guided the bullet, that mm. he thought back of his youth and so many of his friends that were killed, you know, at, um, either during World War II or when the you know, the Cold War began and all the abuses of the of the human rights of the Polish people and so forth. He he just became more and more aware that I'm alive for a reason. For some, uh, maybe known only to God, some divine purpose in my life has been preserved. Why is, and this is the scripture that, uh, you know, the idea that two working in the field, one taken, one left behind, two in bed, one taken, one left behind, in Carol's case, her life has been preserved for a reason, maybe only known known to God, and why one and why not the other? These things, um, there's a divine calculus that is, uh, you know, every time we see a sign or a miracle, uh, some are edified by it and some are, are maybe even scandalized by it. Well, then why that person and why not this other? I mean, if there might be somebody listening and thinking that I had a friend that did drown, uh, and where was someone to help him or her? And so we, we do know that uh, these things happen. And there must be a purpose, but, you know, the Lord would, in his own lifetime, heal some and not others. And so there's always that, that um, you know, that kind of the, the hope of a miracle, but also the, you know, the disappointment that comes when we didn't get it. We prayed for it. I mean, right. there's uh, St. Therese's mom who was sick with breast cancer, and uh, she still had a couple little ones at home, so she went to Lourdes and prayed for a miracle, a healing, and uh, none was given. But no one that goes to Lourdes with faith, anyway, ever comes back without some degree of, of courage uh, to face it. That, you know, Trez's mom, when she came home, Zelly, she's a, a saint now, too, and she came home and she was given that resignation, the peace that comes with, you know, that this cross the Lord is asking me to carry, and he'll help me. And yeah. uh, there'll be people like Simon of Cyrene along the road that and Veronica to wipe my face when I'm crying, and... So uh, why one and why not another? But, Carol, you've had a, a, a beautiful life and one that uh, it does point in the direction of something supernatural. Someone, we'd say that, sure, we, we do have a guardian angel, uh, which is um, something we take by faith. There's no proof empirically of these things. But uh, anybody that you know lives on a farm, if you talk to parents or whatever, you'd say that, uh, there must be a lot of guardian angels on farms because a lot of things could happen and, and mostly don't, things that happen very quickly and so forth. So it does uh, help us to think about the ways of God, which um, are always a bit elusive, that we know that God is good and right. we trust him. But uh, so many times we wonder, you know, like the book of Job, <laughs> like why you could have preserved me. You didn't have to. I mean, that, you know, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Maybe nothing, you know, that the, uh, it says God reigns on the just and the unjust, so he's, um, 
he is not a biased you know supreme being he's a very fair one but his calculus of what's fair and what's not seems to be at odds at times with ours so but carol <laughs> i know the places that you describe and um you've had some beautiful experiences and there's something very uh, gratifying about sharing those with others which you've done today so god bless right. you yeah, thank you, Carol. Thank you for calling in. And I'm sorry we couldn't go back and hear more from you. But um, And gratefully, we've had a number of people already calling in. So before we take a break, let's jump over quick to Nora, who's calling in from Austin, Texas. Nora, welcome to The Inner Life. Yes, thank you so much. I just I love this story because it's so personal. Uh, I was going to pick up my niece from school. It was May. And... Um, I was driving, and all of a sudden, my air conditioning in my car just died, as if there was no air conditioning even in the car, nothing, uh, no sound, no nothing, just gone. And I, it was over 100 degrees already um, in May, so I, I sat there, I waited for her to come out. I would have to have driven her on a highway to get her home, but instead, I said, I'm not taking you home today. Your, your father's going to have to pick you up. I'm going directly to my house because I cannot drive in the heat. So I drove her to my house and called my, my, my mechanic to bring it in first thing in the morning. So I brought it in first thing in the morning, 8 o'clock. That morning, no air conditioning, nothing, as if there was no air conditioning there. And I drove it in. He got in the car, drove it around to the bay, came back in in five minutes and said, okay, well, your air conditioning is working fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But your tire is about to blow. Hmm. And if, if you'd driven any further, you could have, you know, it could have caused a terrible accident. So I started laughing in, in, the, de- in the dealership and, and saying, God knows me so well. There is nothing that would have gotten me off the road instantly, as quickly as killing my air conditioner. And I, I, there was no other explanation for it, and it's so personal. It was so personal and so sweet and, and such, a, such evidence that, they're looking at, they know. He knows. Our guardian angel knows. Every, everything that's happening, down to her tires about to blow. What can we do for her today? It was just so sweet. Yeah, it's one of these things that, you know, Pope John Paul, once again, I mean, that uh, in the design of divine providence, there's no such thing as coincidence, that uh, he thought that the Lord is um, very attentive to little things. Nora and I I live in Wisconsin, so air conditioning is uh, a little bit more um, optional up here. But I imagine that that this thing that, that just didn't seem—I mean, what are the chances that God, you know, that this would happen? Is but it protected us from something much worse. And at first, you know, you're like the frustration of like, why, why today, why me, why? And uh, you know, sometimes we do see that it had to be. I mean, that, and it's not always that we get the kind of the full circle that you did, Nora, so you could see that I think that the Lord was protecting me and this and this child, you know, from harm's way, and this is how he did it. Others would just, you know, maybe... Uh, but I think that what happens is that why don't people see miracles? Well, I don't think that if, if we don't know the Lord, we're not going to know what to look for. We're not going to... And he... I mean, this made sense to you, Nora, because you have a relationship with the Lord, and you realize that he knows you know, your idiosyncrasies, that uh, if the radio had gone out, uh, you know, or something else, you just, yeah, whatever, life goes on, it's an inconvenience. But he knew this particular detail, and that's what, when people describe things that have been meaningful in their life, it's meaningful to them. 
not to anybody else because, well, it was very unique to them. It's something that they knew that someone knows me. This, I mean, this is way too close uh, for comfort, so to speak. This is someone who knows me better than I know myself. And this is, of course, uh, in as it's Psalm 139, you know, that as he... Uh, that he knew us even while we were being knit together in our mother's womb. And he knows us. There's no hiding place between us and God. Every little thing. And, uh, and you recognize, you were able to understand that and have a good uh, experience of a kind of a smile. Like we look at each other knowingly like, okay, all right. I got you, Lord. Thank you. I see it for what it is. Someone else that doesn't know the Lord, oh, well, you know, lucky. Turned out great. I mean, I, uh, I'm glad I threw, uh, you know, I, I walked underneath that broken glass or threw the cat underneath. Well, anyway, you know, we have all these superstitions, right? So some people might account it uh, to that. But for those who have faith, this is in the, the Song of Bernadette, right, that no proof is necessary. For those who do not have faith, no proof is convincing. It's never going to be enough. So in the end, it's the gift of faith. That's what God wants. And so many times he says that, that Jesus says that, go your faith has healed you. Well, that's a beautiful, you know, reality for us to contemplate. Faith heals people? It does. It doesn't change sometimes the physical reality. You know, like in uh, Zelie's case, we were just talking about St. Teresa's mom. I mean, she's still dying of cancer. But go, your faith has healed you. Healed what? I mean, she still died. Yeah, there are other parts of us that can be healed. Uh, The deeper part of us, the spiritual part of us that now has courage in its trial, in its time of, uh, of struggle and time of suffering. So, but we're grateful, Nora. Uh, yeah. In Texas, God is alive and well. That's good news, I think, for all of us. Absolutely. And uh, I will say this, that uh, I think Nora's call is, calling, is prompting an attitude adjustment in my life, because as soon as she said it's, it's hot outside, the air conditioning went out, I thought, yeah, that could get me uh, hot in more ways than one, I think. But I uh, always got to remember that the Lord will, will, can, does, and will uh, work through these types of situations frequently. So thanks for your call, Nora. Um, I tell you what, we're going to take a little bit of a break, uh, and then we'll come back with more phone calls for Father Sam Martin, our spiritual director today, as we are talking about miracles here on The Inner Life. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF, an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley in for Josh Raymond today as we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, who is the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, about miracles. And we've had a couple people, Carol and Nora, have called in already to share their stories about where they witnessed miracles in our lives. But I want to make sure, Father, that we're not um, just focused on stories, even as inspiring as they can be. Um, and I would encourage people, if you have a, a witnessing of a miracle story that you would like to share on the air here, do give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. But I want to make sure that we get our understanding about miracles correct as well. And you've been great at filling in some of those gaps. But let me ask you another question. What do miracles tell us specifically about Jesus? Because they were a huge part of his earthly ministry. And uh, what do they tell us about who he is? 
well, they're always directed toward divinity. I mean, to the fact that Jesus is going to claim what he really is, it takes him time. He wants to help his disciples to first trust him and to see the good in him, and then eventually, you know, who do people say that I am? So at the middle of uh, the Gospels, uh, you see this this kind of the crescendo, and then, you know, Peter, not flesh and blood, but, uh, you know, the God the Father has revealed this to you, that, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So all of his miracles, from the first one at Cana, it says that they saw this this water became wine, and there were many witnesses of it, and they knew, and they came to believe in him. And so all these miracles are pointing to the fact that there's a God, a supreme being that has a, a power that we do not have. Uh, now, eventually, the, the apostles were given some of this uh, So through the sacraments. I mean, there's a power that is left, and it's a divine power of removing sin, of healing, of, uh, you know, where two become one in the sacrament of marriage, where two baptized Christians, they share in this power that is of God. And any parent shares in a power that is a divine attribute, namely creation, and parents can procreate. So these powers are left here, but to point to God. And sometimes people, they usurp that power, and they begin... We've heard some programs, just yesterday they were talking about the occult and, you know, palm reading and these sorts of things that is a misuse of a power. And this is what the devil does, is that he uses... God's power against him to inflate himself, and mm. if you see that the chosen series, which is well done, uh, they you know that the miracle at Cana, for example, it's very clear that Jesus, there's this divine economy that Jesus is obedient to his Father. He listens to his Father, and his Father wants us to listen to Jesus. Behold, my beloved Son, upon whom my favor rests. Listen to him. So, this power is always to point to God. If it doesn't, I mean, this is the old Lord Acton insight that. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So we're not good as human beings with power. And the devil knows that. And he has, uh, well, he's a fallen angel, so he has some power, but it's corrupted him. It's destroyed him. He's full of uh, misery. Misery likes company, so he gets us in on it. And then he tells us things that are just patent lies, that you can do what you want. I mean, you don't need him to tell you what's right and wrong. And uh, he's the accuser, so he, he goes after our shame and our guilt. And then he makes us feel worse. But then he promises, if you do this, you'll feel great. It'll be fine. Everything will work out. So you know that you're not happy about this pregnancy. Well, you can end it. I mean, there's no sense having an unwanted child. And then we feel worse. He always takes us from one step to the So there is a power in this world that it belongs to God. And used for the Lord, it leads to humility and trust and holiness. So in like a Padre Pio, and I know there's a movie coming out about his life, there's a famous scene where his dad was sick and said, you know, son, I need a, I need a cure. I need you to heal me. This is in the movie uh, that, that came out maybe by Ignatius Press maybe 20 years ago. And, and Padre Pio was like, Dad, you don't understand. It doesn't work like that. This is his power, and he chooses when and how and to whom it's given. I don't get to pick it. That's not how it works, Dad. And that is a very beautiful kind of an explanation that God gives gifts for his own purpose, if I use it for me, I become smaller. My heart becomes narrow, and I am damaged by it. But if I use it for others, then I become like Christ, who was a gift. He was a being for others. He didn't come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom. So even in, in the context of marriage, you know, in the Ephesians 5, that, uh, you know, that wives be submissive and so forth. We talked about this in the last show, but it, the idea is that the power that is given to a man and woman is to be at the service of the other. So the man is to give his life for his wife in lots of little ways, mundane, ordinary ways. And she is to receive that and to accept and 
to, you know, expect that really. You know, too many times, you know, the, the women do everything and the men sit back, especially spiritually speaking, you know, that, and that's a real problem. So Jesus, he came to, um, to begin to heal that, to correct that. And so in some sense, uh, part of the correction was to call men to be priests. This is a part of why God did it, is to get men involved, spiritually speaking, because we are quick to abdicate that. Women instinctively, very beautifully, have that gift, uh, the kind of the genius of women, St. John Paul II would describe, and Mulieres Dignitatum and other places. Anyway, I'm getting way out in the weeds here, uh, uh, Patrick, but (laughs) the the idea is that miracles are to point always to God, and if they are you know, somehow manipulated uh, in a conniving way, in a dangerous way. And there are lots of people. Uh, there's this movie called uh, Gladiator years ago with Russell Crowe. And at one point, there's this famous scene in the Colosseum where he's talking to the emperor. And the emperor is describing how he has all this power over this guy, Maximus, and how he's uh, put him in his place. And Maximus says these beautiful words. He says, the time for honoring yourself will soon be at an end, highness, mm-hmm. and walks away. That's a power that's being manipulated. It's used to honor me, and that's not how God designed it. Jesus, everything he does is to give honor and praise to his Father. It's always to praise the Father, the one true God. And he does this over and over again. And in the end, he's almost exasperated for Jesus. And Philip says, show us the Father. Oh, Philip, have you been with me this long and you don't realize when you see me, you see the Father? That's what this is all about, is to glorify him. The whole mass, everything is directed to him. Jesus gave his life so that we could know the Father. And uh, so, anyway, that's, uh, that's yeah. not, I, I was going to say that's it in a nutshell, but that was <laughs> anything but a nutshell, I'm afraid, Patrick. I like large nutshells, Father, so that's all right. We're we're doing okay here. Let's uh let's turn back to the phones though. Cindy has been patiently waiting in Victoria, Texas. Uh Cindy, welcome to the inner life. Thank you. That's okay because I love nuts. So um <laughs> I I in nineteen eighty I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I had the remitting, relapsing type where you'd it, you'd get it and then you'd go in remission for about a year or two and then it'd come back. So for nineteen years and then I was having some multiple um, sclerosis symptoms um, for about 12, 12 um, weeks. And the um, feast day of Christ the King came out. And we usually, down here in Texas, we usually have a procession with the Eucharist. And I always went to those. So I said, honey, let's go to this. And I'll, and it was, anyway, so the symptom was pretty, um, pretty wild. And um so all of a sudden the thought saying, if you just look on the Eucharist, you can be healed. And I said, okay. I wasn't going there for a he- healing. I just went just to go. And so the thought occurred, okay, if I just look on the Eucharist, I can be healed. And I thought of the little woman who touched the cloak, the hem of the cloak of Jesus and was healed. So I said that as we went into the church and the Eucharist and the monstrance was put on the altar. The priest started talking. I forgot all about it. And... As we left, I opened the car door, and all of a sudden, the symptoms were completely gone. That was in 1999. Now, I'm like, as your um, father had mentioned, um, okay, well, those symptoms went away, but am I really healed with MS because they come and go? So, okay, they're still, what is it now? That was 1999. It's now 2000. or 20, so yeah, 20 some years have gone past and I'm still healed. Um, I would feel guilty telling people because 
other people want healed. So I'd feel kind of bad about doing that, telling them when they're sick. The other thing is um, I had I was having headaches, which weren't related to MS, but the doctor wanted me to go up to my um, MS folks and, you know, check the MRI out. And the doctor looked at the MRI, and then he came in to see me, and he laughed. He says, you don't look anything like your MRIs because I'm active and I'm, you know, healthy and everything. The thing is, the MRIs still show as if I have full-blown MS, yet I walk two miles a day, I work, I do all sorts of things. Um, So how I put that is like Jesus, when he rose from the dead, when he ascended into heaven, he still has the marks, the scars on his hands and feet. And so I've got the marks on the MRI, and so people say, I mean, people say, oh, yeah, but you never had MS. You're, you're fine. You have never had MS. I said, well, look at my MRIs. My MRIs say I have MS. My body and my life and lifestyle for 20-some years has not showed it at all. That's beautiful, Cindy. It's uh, one of these things that we we want to share with people because, I mean, on one side, the people that have only known you in these last years, would, you know, somebody say, well, she's... She's sick. She carries a heavy cross. Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. Uh, and then uh, those that remember that, you know, they might be more aware that I don't know. She's just done really well, and there's really no cure for MS that I'm aware of. So uh, I have friends that have suffered with that cross, and uh, I think that whatever God permits, it's always, you know, for His own reasons. And I think that when we're chosen for such an honor, uh, there also is, uh, you know, kind of a a duty, I think, now, what we've received as a gift, we're supposed to give as a gift. And the person who's received more, more will be demanded. And it seems like, you know, that you're wanting to grow in your faith and you're wanting to, to you know, be a, a witness, a, to give testimony that this is what the Lord has done for me. And I am grateful to Him. I, I don't know why He chose me. And anyone who has ever chosen for any particular charism, any, you know, particular vocation would say, there were others that he could have chosen, but for some reason it was me. And I am grateful. I, you know, like St. Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God, that he had his own reasons. And so we um, we just have this great desire, you know, to say, I I still bear the, yeah, I think that's really beautiful, that uh, I bear the wounds of, of what I once was, and maybe it'll come back again someday, and I'm not under the, expectation that I could never, this could never, you know, no, it, it could. and But I'm grateful for each day where I can serve maybe a little more generously. I, my physical health allows me to do more for others. And uh, I feel this great gratitude to God that, you know, everything's a gift. I mean, when you have it taken away and then it's given back, I think so many people, you know, we, a lot of us lack that perspective, right, when somebody's been through something and then they're just, everything is... Uh, there's just real gratitude after that. And you've lived a long time with that, Cindy. And uh, they used to say gratitude unlocks joy. So I would guess that you're probably a fairly happy person, uh, maybe not a perfect person. And uh, But on your way, on your way to, uh, to you know deeper things, holy things, and uh, whatever may come. So I think that's... Um, these are all unique stories we've heard so far, and uh, we're grateful to God. And, uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're just caught up in your own life and your own little part of the world, but you think of all the different people in this world that already know Jesus, 
uh, have already experienced his presence. Have, some have even experienced things that are miraculous, a real sign of his uh, divinity. And you think, gosh, so that's what holds the world together, I mean, because the evil we're well aware of. I mean, that's on the news every night. But uh, the good things, the holy things, are happening all around us. And those um, are encouraging signs of a God who still loves this world and uh, is keeping a close eye on it. That's a great That's a great phrase, Father. I love that. Still loves this world and is keeping a close eye on it. Cindy, thank you for your call. Thank you for telling the story. And thank God for his work in your life in this miraculous way. Thank you too for to all the callers who are calling in. Um, but I again, I don't I don't want to tread uh, on other people's time here. But Father, I one of the things that just occurred to me as I'm as I'm uh, thinking about it and and uh, trying to reflect on it too is that you know um, I think one of the dangers when miracles happen in us or to us um, that that we start to kind of hinge our entire faith on this perhaps a one-time event that happened in our lives. And if that event were somehow taken away or if it was, you know, if it was a healing but the sickness came back or something like that, it can threaten to really, um, you know, take away our faith or to damage our faith. So I guess my question on the other side of things, miracles, I think, were meant are meant to lead us into deeper faith and maybe even into a deeper practice of the virtues, perhaps, uh, a deeper um, a deeper practice of our faith, of, of love, of uh, charity towards towards others, that sort of thing. Can you talk about that a little bit? How do, how do miracles lead us deeper into, say, the life of virtue? Well, first, the temptation. I mean, that Jesus is clear about, you know, that, like, the multiplication of loaves and fish, they are all back again. They're hungry, and gosh, it'd be nice to you know, just whip a, you know, another banquet here, Lord. That was uh, really you know, kind of sweet. Maybe today we could have something nice, you know, like some salmon or some, uh, you know, some bruschetta or whatever. I mean, we just, you know, so, I mean, we are, you know, attached to things, especially when they, uh, you know, there's signs, miracles that have to do with our physical comfort. But uh, what it's always meant to, is is to see how generous God is. And that's to inspire us to be generous with how we uh, serve, how we suffer, how we ex- accept things that are beyond our control. Uh, faith is a way of dealing with fear, and fear is a, typically comes out in managing things, controlling things, and uh, that's what many of us, I mean, if, if we could just win the, the lottery, for example, then we wouldn't have, we'd be on the easy street. Well, I mean, it's not true, but we're always looking for an antidote to fear. If I just, then, you know, you hear, like, that person is set. So I, that's like one of the saddest phrases ever, I mean, because set means that, there's no more growth. That person is, yeah, everything's good now, so you're stuck. What promotes growth is uh, oftentimes adversity, struggles. I mean, the, the, the frustrations of life. I mean, there are no saints that are produced without uh, the cross, without things that happen that are unexpected and unfair many times. And, you know, that they used to give the image of, like, the oyster in the sand as some sort of debris without that, which is a bit, un, you know, uh, annoying, I'm sure, and so forth. But that's how a pearl is produced. I mean, if if not for the cross, and our Lord shows us how to carry it. So uh, all miracles in the end are to lead us to God. That doesn't mean that they do it. The thing is received according to the mode of the receiver. So, you know, at, at Fatima, you've got 70,000 people in 70,000 different places, spiritually speaking. Some, you know, came very skeptical. They didn't believe any of this, and they came away with the deepest faith. And some 
they or they thought they were real believers, and they saw it, but they wanted more. They were expecting something else. They they didn't want to share that miracle with everybody. They you wanted to be special or whatever. I mean, it just the great thing about the spiritual life is that you can't fake it. I mean, many of us right. try and right. uh, try to live on the surface, but in the end, you can't. It's never going to work. It's never satisfying. And the Lord wants to get right down into who we really are. And so I suppose sometimes He permits a miracle to. Uh, you know, to allow us to be vulnerable. But, but you know, it all has to do with trust, and that's not one of our strong suits. Uh, we trust our, ourselves, our power, our ability to handle things. But um, in the end, all of that has to die, like the grain of wheat, so then something better can grow. And God knows, um, he knows what buttons to push when, and uh, it seems like he's slow and he, he's asleep at the wheel, but we're the ones who have been asleep for many centuries. God is wide awake and keeping, uh, he's very vigilant. So, Right, right. Very good. Well, Father Sam Martin is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life as we're speaking about miracles, not just the miracles that have happened to us, which we've had some great stories so far. And uh, uh, we've, I'm sure we've spoken with people who have had miracles happen in their lives or the lives of their loved ones. But also, what are the role of miracles in our life of faith today? Father Martin has been doing a great job in helping us to understand that. Tell you what, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, more of The Inner Life. So stick around. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, and my thanks to Nick Sentovich, who's our producer today, Sarah Tafoya, who's answering the phone calls. And, uh, yeah, I'm appreciative of them both, as well as to Josh Raymond, the usual host of the show, who is allowing me to sit in today with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, as we're talking about miracles here on The Inner Life today. And, uh, Father, I, I think we'll go back to the phones. We've got Danielle also been patiently waiting. Danielle from Florida. Danielle, thanks for waiting so much, and uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Pat. It's very nice to, to speak to you and, and Father Martin. Um, I was driven to call and was nervous about calling, but then when I found out the father had the same, shared the same name as my son, I thought I had to call and properly share the story that I tried to share on the Patrick Madrid show. <laughs> so it's funny how things just keep falling into place. Um, but a, long, a while back, I, I had gone through a bout of wondering if I was an alcoholic and addictive personality disorder and all this, and I'd gone to AA. Um, and I was very, very sad because at the same time I was told that I was going through early menopause and um, that I couldn't have any more children. So um, they were tr trying to do all these tests on me and getting IVF, and my husband and I said, no, we can't. I wasn't getting my cycles, nothing. Uh, so I went to AA, and I realized in AA that you prayed the Our Father. So this brought me back to church. And then I started going back to church, and, and as I prayed, I kept seeing this image of a baby, of a child. And every time I came to church, I, I would see the child. And I thought this was God's way of saying, I, I know you want the child, you know. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay for you not to have the child, because I'd had an ectopic pregnancy years, years back. So I thought that was a visitation of that child. So long story short, I, you know, traveled the country, came back, and, and I found out after having a, a headache for three days that I was eight weeks pregnant. Um, and... I had no idea that, that it was possible. I did not believe the doctor at all until she 
let me hear the heartbeat, you know, a couple of days later. So I had, um, I was in a high risk pregnancy because I was in, in my forties and or going into my, my late thirties. And so then her birthday was supposed to be November 18th, um, which was supposed to be born that day. But my husband and my brother's uh, birthday both are on November 17th. So I said, if we can have it the day before. Um, so I had to change doctors. I had to change surgeons. I had to change everything just so that her birth- she would share a birthday with her dad. Anyway, the day comes. They open me up. And I hear the whole operating room go, like, take a breath. And I, I didn't know what had happened, but apparently my uterus was windowing so much and it was so clear that they could see her hand waving at them. And it was, it was just, it gave me so much joy that, you know, I could share this with everyone in the room um, because even the, even the surgeon, she was, she had never seen anything like this before, that it was, you know, um, that it was so thin, but yet it held um, and, and saved both myself and, and our daughter. <laughs> so that's fine. That's my story. <laughs> Amazing. And what's her name? Danielle. Yeah, that's your name, but the baby that was born? Oh, Myra. Yes. Well, welcome to the world. This is uh, all these things that, you know, when they, when you look back and you see the finger of God, this is the hard thing about life is we can't see it today sometimes. Uh, and then we get into the, the things that discourage us and you know, we start to beat ourselves up. I mean, you, you've had some struggles in your life, Danielle, and I'm sure, you know, the devil's there like, this is your fault, and you can't undo it, and you deserve this, and all that kind of, you know, just sad, discouraging thinking can affect us, and, um, you know, even our ability to, to, to conceive and all these things. So, but isn't it like God to, as you're coming back to church, to have this image of a, a little one that God knows where we hurt, he knows, and so does the devil for that matter, so he likes to just throw salt in those wounds. But that's a place where if we could just be more vulnerable, like uh, I think that you were, Danielle, in your life, you were realizing that there's something in me that's broken, not destroyed. It's not beyond hope. But I, So just to seek out help to go to AA is a step of humility and really uh, uh, an act of trust, of faith, and uh, you know that maybe I won't have any more children and to kind of grieve that and to face that and but then to bring that to God, ours is a God who he saved the world by his suffering, by his cross. He chose suffering. We don't choose it. It's just a part of our fallen condition that we're survivors of original sin. But even in the midst of that, maybe especially there, if we face it, then we can see things that we'd say are, are not possible or at least not very probable. And in the case of this little hand-waving, uh, some other people got to see it too. And they'll remember that for all their days. And wherever they're at in their own walk with the Lord, maybe they're skeptical, maybe they, uh, you know, just don't understand it, maybe they don't just shelve it away, and I'm not going to think about that. But someday, you know, please God, before we meet the Lord, we remember things that if we'd been in the right place at the right time, we would have been full of awe and wonder. But maybe we were, you know, not sure and uh, hurting and, we just didn't want to know, but Danielle, that's a quite a story, and uh, and I'm grateful that um, you know for you and your family, and there are lots of 
uh, moms and you know lots of uh, family people listening today and uh, not being able to have children or having them in a unique way uh, you know that Patrick had said that earlier in the show that uh, having a baby is a, you know people describe that the birth of a child is a miracle and not in like the you know the maybe the scholastic definition, but it is in a way. Every one of us, our life, every heartbeat, every breath we take, I mean, we're walking miracles. There's something that is so remarkable about human existence that you, me, every one of us, we are unique and unrepeatable. There's something in us that the world has never seen before and never will again, uh, that God creates all of these billions of people that he's created just like he creates snowflakes. Every single one of them is different. How does he do it? Well, someday we'll know that he was, um, he was more than we could have ever described. And in Jesus, we begin to understand uh, this good God and how he can draw amazingly straight with our very crooked lines. And Danielle, yours is a testimony about that, uh, that, that beautiful trait. So God bless you. Thanks for calling in, and God bless your family. Yes, thank you, Danielle. Thanks for calling in, and thanks for sharing your miracle story with us. Father, we've only got a little over, uh, we've got about a minute and a half left before we need to move into a blessing. So I want to leave you with just uh, that much time to to answer a question specifically about, well, what about people who are listening to these stories, they've been praying earnestly for a miracle, but they're not seeing it in their lives. What would you say to them? Sometimes we're so focused on one thing that we miss all the other things. And I think... uh, Maybe it was Cindy when she called in that um, she wanted to see the Eucharist in procession, the Feast of Christ the King. And, you know, there was a sense that she would ask, you know, for a cure, but she forgot all about it. You know, that it's when we let go of things sometimes, loosen our grip, that about the time we give up, then all of a sudden here it comes. You know, it's uh, so many times we, maybe our heart is not ready. Maybe we're not, I, I need this. And then, a demanding person is hard to uh, to give anything to because they're not going to be that grateful. You feel like, well, you've robbed me of the, the joy of giving. You know, you say, I have to give you this. And maybe that's why sometimes we're in that attitude. So I think that why not just pray the way Jesus taught us? That mm. I will be done, whatever you want. I think that we should be honest about what we want. We shouldn't just uh, say, well, Lord, I'm fine. You just, uh, oh. no, I think we should say that I'd like to. But at the end of the day, you know, just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. So yeah. it's not a, a, it's a good thing, a holy thing, I think, to ask for a miracle, but we can ask in the wrong way, and then our heart's not really all that receptive. So if it did come, we'd say, well, that's right, that's right. You know, like <laughs> there wouldn't be a whole lot of, you know, gratitude or humility. There'd just be like, you owe me this, Lord. And yeah. entitlement is not good for the heart in any way, shape, or form. Amen to that. Father, before we let you go, of course, we would love to receive a blessing from you, please. May God bless, guide, and protect each of you with his miraculous love and infinite mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father Sam Martin has been our spiritual director today as we spoke about miracles. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond today, and God willing, tomorrow when we'll be talking about Ignatian discernment of spirits. So join us for that. Right now, though, we've got the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass coming up for you from the Chapel of the Nativity in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and our celebrant is Father Matt Seminar. Thanks for listening to The Inner Life today. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. God bless.